Hey everybody, Mike here with a very special guest. Seth. Seth, what's your last name? Seth Seth Erie. Seth Erie, E-R-R-E. And um, and Seth and I are coming at you today from the Vox World Headquarters from Newport Beach, California. Seth, are we in California? Yes. What are we doing in California? A good swim. We're swimming in California. What else? Um, big arms. And we play arms? Oh, big arms? Yes. Like when you're swimming? Yes. And then are we seeing a bunch of friends? Mm-hmm. And then are we what? Um, did we go? Go ahead. Where else did you go? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> mm. And then you go to Disneyland is the, what I was fishing for. Yes. Yes. It's been so fun. Yes. Yes. So we've been on vacation. Yes. And guess, guess who else we found huh. who happens to be in Newport Beach today? Andy Bear! Andy Bear! Andy Bear! Hey, yo! Mr. Andy! Where's my intro music? Well, okay, so what song <laughs> have you been asking me to sing that I don't know? The Duck Song. The Duck Song. Oh, yes. 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 Which has been amazing because I don't know that song. And, um, and every, so what Seth likes to do, it's so, it's so funny. He likes to listen. He'll take our, our, uh, my phone, he'll play it at It'll play our old episodes at like one and a half times speed, <laughs> and and he'll just sit and listen for hours. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is this is awful. This want, poor kid. So when I'm around, does he just think I'm in slow motion? <laughs> <laughs> why, Molly? Why does Andy talk so slowly? He's got such a low voice. He does. It, oh, it's so funny. Oh my goodness. But he he found the episode where you had the duck song as an intro oh yeah and he just he literally that's all he wants me to perform is the duck song so in a great in a great irony god god has uh, decreed me to be a hockey fan and i must learn the duck song so all of that is my my comeuppance oh man that is that is quite the creed to take on i wish every new hockey fan would be forced to learn the, the inaugural song? season ducks uh, anthem. Can you can you give me just be oh, and I'm only asking because you were a rock star. <laughs> can you give me just a couple of lines from that glorious anthem, just for for Sethi's sake and our audience's sake? I think yeah yeah. Okay, let's hear it. it. Let's All hear right, it. Here we go. The mighty ducks of Anaheim, a surge of force that never dies. Rock the pond. There you go. Seth is there dancing. Seth the best, was dancing. That's the best we got. Oh, that is wonderful. Um, <laughs> and I was really going for my Mark Wahlberg rock star um, dude, voice. That was solid. Because uh, that's yeah. No, I don't. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have not heard those tones from you in a very long time yeah now andy bear what are you up to what's happening i mean we we did the andy episode um what a couple months ago yeah and so it's all of that still going yeah all that's still going we just wrapped up season one of the lucky few podcast and so we're kicking off season two in august nice. uh, end of august with a live show down in laguna beach at marine room tavern yep, yep. um so that'll be a lot of fun and then uh dear mom conference is going to utah in the fall so this was the moms of special needs kids. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yep. So we got some friends out in Utah and they wanted us to come out. So we're, we're excited. We've been planning that and working on that. And so conference goes out to fall in Utah. Um, nice. Been uh, spending some time just uh, shaking the trees on, you know, different Facebook groups in particular. Whoa. What? <laughs> what? I got to tell you this story. It's what sort funny. of metaphor is it's this? Too it's too funny. You got to hear this. Okay. So 
Um, so yesterday I, I was trying to do some pedal trading selling on, on Facebook marketplace, my guitar pedals. And I say to this guy, Hey, you know, are you interested in trading whatever for my, it's called a tremolo pedal. It of just, course. it makes sound go up and down in volume. I like it. He replies back. Um, I actually play worship music, so I don't need a tremolo. <laughs> <laughs> to which, to Perfect. which, to Perfect. which I was like, um, well, I don't sell to the elite, so I guess we're done here. <laughs> but I couldn't help myself. I had to take that story and go on to I, this other Facebook group I have called Pedal Boards of Doom. And it's 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 like it's like fifty six thousand members on this page. Oh my god. And goodness. it's just it's just nerd nonsense, bunch of like stoner rock metal heads. Like, but it's it is actually everybody. So and I see a few like little worship things pop up now and then. So I had to like take this dialogue, put it out there and just say, Can we can we talk about this? Like this is this is insanity, right? Yes. This thread went bananas, like over a hundred comments. Like my phone was going off constantly, but like, <laughs> thank you, Seth. Yeah, thank you, Seth. That's right. That's right. But then, like, like just to share, like, uh, you know, two two tidbits. So I've been, I'm kind of almost doing ministry in here now. It's pretty funny. But one of them was like, well, it's not like you were trying to trade him a big muff. <laughs> I don't know what that is. So well, it's a certain type of guitar pedal. Okay. But obviously in the church context. Oh, that yes. could get a little squirrely. Yeah, that, yes. Hello. Um, one guy said, uh, well, I'm not surprised because Christians are terrible for tolerance for soldiers, <laughs> tremolo, and the LGBTQ. <laughs> and so I was like, yep. <laughs> okay. Fair dig. <laughs> All right. So, see, these are groups I didn't even know existed. Oh, yeah. But it's crazy because it's like the atheists are coming out and the Christians are coming out. But here's the funniest part. The atheists are saying all the funniest, true things right. about the church. Church, yeah. Like a comedian would, like call out everything, like point to truth, everything. Right. All the Christians are getting super defensive and oh. actually completely missing what I'm saying. I'm, what I'm saying, like with the comment of, I, I don't need a tremolo because I play worship music. It's perfect. It's like a statement. Yeah. It's like saying, like, yeah. I don't need a sitar because I play American music. Right. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't right. mean that's not a stance. Right. You know, it's that's stupidity. It's it's one thing if he said I don't like them or I don't prefer to use them. Right. But he's not talking about personal preference. He made like some global statement as if you wouldn't. Ever, ever use, use that for worship, worship music, leader. which is insanity. Like Izzy, for example, uses it every single weekend. So it's just dumb. yeah. But Izzy's not your usual. I no. mean, now let me ask you: when you play Oceans, <laughs> do you need a tremolo for that? Because uh, if be fine. so, I would imagine then there should be one in every church. There, yeah. Well, that that's the funniest thing about it is actually when you it's it's in like every song in one way or another maybe it's not on guitar but it is being used in in keys and synthesizers and other other forms so it, it that's why it's such a ridiculous comment because it it's it's absurd so, so that was fun so what what do you call so you call a food enthusiast you call them a foodie yeah what do you call a pedal enthusiast <laughs> i don't know a pedal head right it sounds stupid okay maybe. well i don't know i don't know right so andy where you dabble on the internet we could make for its own podcast show you know what i mean <laughs> these unexplored edges oh well, well uh someone just uh recently told me of a new podcast out there called um your favorite band sucks so i'm looking oh. forward to that one and it's oh. all the big bands you know about it's like right. why you two sucks nirvana sucks the smiths suck uh fleetwood mac sucks i mean so but it's like their critique is hilarious because oh. it's smart and it's like it's actually oh these are actually really great great points but it's kind of funny because you just watch them tear down all of the most popular bands in like recent you know music yeah. history except for pearl jam yeah they haven't done one of those oh man i'll have to see what do you say i'm trying yeah there's nothing to there's say no, there's no, no. that's just dead air is what that is <laughs> now for those of you who don't know that like three or four of you 
Andy, Laura, has been, we launched the podcast together. Um, he was a producer. So he, he's kind of like, if, we're, if you and I are the Avengers, you're the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man, oh, right? Nice. You're, the, you're the Playboy billionaire who can fix anything or create anything, um, who, you know, who can talk quantum mechanics on the yeah. one hand and yet... And deeply tortured and torn by justice issues. Yes. <laughs> and I'm more, I'm more um, Hawkeye. I have a bow and some arrows and, and a slight sense of humor, but I don't do much in the Avengers movie. So, <laughs> so I, that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, so that's who Andy is now. Now we want to dive into some good stuff. Yeah. So, so Andy and I did, uh, I don't know, hundred and plus lots of episodes together. So what our, our usual MO is I don't tell Andy what we're going to talk about because I always love Andy's kind of raw responses to things. So we've got two things to respond to, uh, and we're keeping it political. We've been doing a series on reconciling faith and politics and um, and so a couple of things have happened since last uh, episode. One is uh, there's this guy named Pastor Robert Jeffress, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's he's a, he's a, a pastor of a big church in Dallas. They went so far as to have a. Um, a, a uh, God bless America worship service. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, he's the yeah, pastor. I remember that. Okay. So he's on the evangelical. Thank you, Seth. He's on the evangelical council, um, and uh, and so when Fox needs, you know, the the evangelical perspective, this is the guy that gets called. Which you know, it sucks for any of us who ever want to claim that title for ourselves. Is the guy that pastors the church where they actually do the service holding AR-15s? Like oh, on the no, board too. That's the pencil. That's a Pennsylvania <laughs> guy. Yeah, he would be good too. But this guy. So so this guy is responding. To uh, to the accusation that people have sold their souls um, to vote for Trump because of this latest allegation he's been caught lying, you know, about payments to Playboy models, yeah, which you right. know I, we're all shocked. So here here was his response. Now again, I'm not beating up on this. Has nothing to do with Trump supporters. This has to do with the rationale that that is being used. So we've made a case over four episodes for um, an evangelical view of politics that is nothing like this. So even if this were offered in defense of Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, it would still fall under the same critique. So this has nothing to do with Trump specifically. Uh, but he says, he, here was his response, and I, I just want to quote him a little bit. Nobody has sold his soul to support President Trump. Uh, this is not an unusual thing. We've been here before, he said. Back in 1980, evangelicals chose to support a twice-married Hollywood actor who was a known womanizer in Hollywood. His name was Ronald Reagan. They chose to support him over Jimmy Carter, a born-again Baptist Sunday school teacher who had been faithfully married to one woman. The reason we supported President Reagan was not because we supported womanizing or divorce. We supported his policies. And that's true here, Ed. We are choosing to support his policies. We're not under any illusion that we were voting for an altar boy when we voted for Trump. We knew about his past. And by the way, none of us has a perfect past. We voted for him because of his policies. And then he adds, uh, and, and this is, you know, that's crazy enough. But then he adds, listen, we don't look to Washington, D.C. to bring revival to the United States. That's the job of the Church of Jesus Christ. Government has an, a responsibility to maintain order and to preserve citizens' freedom. That's exactly what President Trump is doing. 
So, um, and, and he says some other things that are that are that are just awesome. So, to recap the argument, the the the, the issue is, hey, uh, evangelicals, and, and he goes on to say, evangelicals maintain there's a 77 percent favorability rating right now from white evangelicals, and that's compared to 17 percent favorability rating from non-white evangelicals. So that tells you a little something right there. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, Jeffers. Jeffers' whole his whole whole stance is: Listen, um, no one should be surprised by this. We've done it before, right? We've overlooked character in order to support policies we like. Now, um, you know, we we've talked about this before. We did a podcast called um, "We're Not Voting for a Pastor," which is right, the the yeah. slam I got all right. the time when I was offended by evangelicals anointing Trump as God's candidate. I mean, if you want to vote for Trump, of course vote for Trump, but don't say he's the evangelical candidate or don't say right. he's God's choice or where, you know, make really ridiculous biblical comparisons. So, so we've been over that argument before. That, that was one of our better podcasts because the bar is pretty low, but the, that was one of our better ones. <laughs> and, uh, and I would encourage you to check that one out if you didn't listen to it. This one, however, falls prey uh, to a couple of things that I do want to talk about in light of the podcasts we've done. Great. You know what I mean? So so uh, when when Jeffers, you know, and one of the things you have to acknowledge, first of all, is just the utter hypocrisy of defending Trump and attacking Hillary, both on character grounds, right? Hillary's corrupt. She's a liar. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. Trump, everyone has a past. Right. They didn't go after her, they didn't go after her policies during the candidacy. They went after emails. Right. Exactly. Exactly. She's she. Yeah. And, and that's and, 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 and some of the justification I still hear from people is, well, just imagine how much worse Hillary would be, which you, which you is can't. Crazy. It's stupid. So so so, uh, you know, you do have that kind of superficial hypocrisy of evangelicals making character an issue. Um, um, for previous elections, but now when it's our guy, supposedly, um, character isn't an issue. So, you know, you, you've got that, and that's that's easily beat upable. But there's something else, Andy, that, um, that really irks me, and, and it's this thing that he says at the end. He says, listen, we don't look at government to bring revival to the United States. That's the job of the church. And, um, you know, and, and, and what he's doing is, is he's saying um, in a very not so subtle way, um, listen, politics is politics and church is church. You got to get dirty in politics, right? And so for the sake of our policies, we'll put up with this guy, you know, who is whatever. And, um, and, uh, uh, as long as he's, you know, and he even said it, I mean, is, you know, is promoting like conservative justices and whatever else. I mean, we're good. We're good with him. 77%. Why? We don't like him. We don't necessarily approve of, of what he's done in the past. But man, I mean, think about the religious liberty, you know, that's being enshrined now and whatever else. All right. right. But, but do you see, but do you see the fundamental assumption? And tell me if you don't, because this is a really big point to me. The thing I've been arguing is the church is political, worship is political, communion is political, the whole thing is political. You cannot bifurcate ooh, big ooh, word, good word. Um, um, politics from the church in the way that right. Jeffers is suggesting we yes. do. So that yes. we can remain untainted um, in the political sphere because, hey, it's just politics and we love his policies. Right. Right. But, that, but that's not the that's not Trump's job. I mean, right. come on, man. Well, but like, I mean, because you can't 
you know, okay, how are you going to break that down and transport that same idea into the workspace? Right. You know, and say like, well, work is work. And when I come home, that's when I really kind of do faith. And some people do. And think some people that. do think that. But it's right. like there. I mean, how much work ethic is told in the Bible? Like, right. you know, how much of like, I mean, obviously, justin justice and activism is massive in the Bible. So yeah. it's like you're absolutely right. It's you but when you but when you can separate when you separate like he's doing. The, the spiritual church realm from like the real world realm of politics and whatever, it allows you to justify uh, the ends yeah. um, by using any means. Right. Right. So, hey, um, he's enforcing the borders. Doesn't matter that we're separating kids in, in uh, ugly ways. Doesn't matter. Right. Um, because it, the po it's just the policy. It's not his character. Doesn't matter that he's lied. Doesn't matter that, that he is. Um, that he's a total misogynist. It doesn't that and a racist. I mean, that doesn't matter because we support his policies. Right. So, so I'm sorry to interrupt. Go no, I mean, it. well, it's interesting. He uses the word revival because it's like how? Okay, well, then how is what? What does? What is the positive end of the church being active, bringing about a revival right. to which point it affects the government, right? right? Is it just, oh, it was revival, but it had nothing to do with the government. But it's just like the flourishing right. of human people has everything to do with the government, That's right. how it's served, how it's cared for, how policies are put in place to protect those people for that kind of care. I mean, yep. all of that is relevant. Right. So it's like, absolutely, even just that on that simple idea alone to me is like, well, if the church, the, the way like... <laughs> If we actually followed what Jesus was telling us to do, it's right. all stuff that happens in the social space, in the communal space, like right. where the government is present, where the That's government right. has set up laws. You can't, right. you know, you can't have revival without the participation of government in some kind of way. Well, and you you reduce the church in all of that to a special interest group pursuing political power. Right. So we're happy with our guy, no matter what kind of guy this is or woman this is, as long as we're getting the uh, judiciary and the legislation that we want. I mean, and, and, right. and so what we've been trying to do has been to paint a picture of the church as a separate polis that operates by a completely and utterly different set of rules so that it, when the church engages in the politics of the world, let's call it, um, they're still operating as kingdom of God people. So when you separate, so the, so Je when Jeffers says, listen, listen, we didn't vote for a pastor. He's not an altar boy. Listen, that's the job of the church. We'll bring revival government. You know, their job is to protect us and keep us safe. Um, and I would argue it's a lot more than that if you're, you know, but that's a, right. that's a different well, they, well, then they can't put any of their uh, moral standards connected to the Bible. Right. You know, if that's the case, yeah. you know, it's just like, well, no, no, no. You're saying that's that's a separate issue. So you can't even bring the Bible into the conversation at that point. Exactly. If, right. Exactly. So for me, uh, I want to I want to beat up on the idea. And, and, and this is the big point we've been trying to make. And I feel like it's worth repeating in light of what he said, because um, one of the things we've been trying to argue is, listen, God had intention um, uh, towards what Israel was to be and do in the world, right? It wasn't just, hey, guys, I know it's screwed up. My my best guess on how to fix this is I'm going to call a guy, Abram, and I'm going to bless him, okay? And then we'll see how it goes. Um, th there's a much deeper, kind of a deeper theology behind what God was doing with Israel. And so we've, we've tried to brush uh, against some of that idea that the Israel was to be a political entity. It was a kingdom, but it was to operate in ways that were antithetical to all the other kingdoms of the world, right? It didn't have a king. Uh, Yahweh was the king. It didn't have a standing army. 
Um, it was to it was to trust God and to do weird things like walk around walls and blow trumpets <laughs> right, and right. and you know br- bring hey everybody bring your candles and the army will freak out ahead of us. I mean it's just right. weird. And and but but God was demonstrating the goodness of His rule through a political entity. Right. That's the point. And so Paul's dreams about what the Messiah would do were political. Now, as it turns out, they were wrong in they were wrong uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and and so we've talked about how they were refashioned once he met the Lord Jesus. But Paul's Paul's imagination about what the church is to be is formed by what Israel was to be and to do in the world. And so because Americans, uh, at least theologically, most of us aren't real comfortable with the Old Testament or Israel or whatever. Um, we're not aware of of how Israel was to be this this distinct political entity in the other political entities of the world and engage in a different kind of politics. Now, the um, and and what you see when God instructs Israel about how to do politics, there is no separation between worship, economics, social order, justice, mercy. It's all one package. If you love Yahweh, you will love your neighbor. You yeah. you will leave room on the edges of your fields. You will welcome the alien and the stranger. There was no separation between Israel, the religious entity, and Israel, the political entity. Yeah. They were wed together. And when you read the 613 commandments of the Old Testament, right, they concern the most mundane stuff. Yes, there were offering commandments, and yes, there were worship commandments, and commandments against adultery and, and idolatry and all sorts of things. But then there were commandments about how you treat relatives and how you treat the elderly and, 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 and whether or not you let your beard grow and whether or not you should have tattoos. And all of those were over against the practices of the other empires of the day, mm-hmm. right? Yes, Seth Erie. Seth Erie standing here raising his hand as if he has something to say. What would you like to say, sir? Um, um, wagon, um, so, um, God, um, we go coming um Fox Podcast um first to um Fox dot com um please talk to Dave and um Fox dot com yes well done Seth Erie so there was a Vox Podcast Vox dot com yeah please talk to Seth thank you God yeah leave a review on iTunes I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. So, so Paul's imagination for the church is saturated by what Israel's call. And Israel's call, it was so mundane. How do you handle mildew? How how do you how do you wash dishes? I mean, it, the whole thing. What what can you eat? What can you not eat? I mean, it concerned the most basic stuff of human life. And so, when we get to Paul's vision for the church, guided by you know the Spirit of Jesus. Um, you, you get that same sort of robust vision. There is no distinction between what the church did in their worship services and the fact that there was no there there were no poor people among them, right? I mean that that was all one thing. That wasn't like there was a political thing and there was a religious thing. It was because that Jesus has risen from the dead. There will be no poor people among us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And 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 they were so subversive in their yeah. use of God. See, that's gonna, that's compelling. I mean, to think about well, you know, well, to think about if you if you're able to see like you know the early movement of the church and like in a small gathering and to realize that the economic status basically became flat. Like yeah. in, like even just in a room, even if it's fifty people, that's right. where all of a sudden it was like you know, I mean, 
it's all you know really communal and social but it's like we're all you know in this but it's interesting because it doesn't just sound metaphorical you see because that's what we do in the church today right is we make it right. like well you know it's okay that you don't have enough money but you're rich in spirit just like i am right. we, we, that's what we use right. as the leveler not right. the fact that it's like wait i don't need as this much money you need more money i'm going to give you money so that way we're actually socially and economically like in equal thriving yes like it'd be exactly. you know that's like but it's that's like right. if you were to look at the constant placement of multiple houses and rooms doing that i mean it's like well we're really talking about a real kind of people group a real kind of social and governmental group right seth, this seth, is seth <laughs> this is the best is standing an inch away from andy staring at him but yeah imagine <laughs> imagine me looking straight forward and seth just side profile like you know half inch nose to cheek just <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, the closeness. Yes. Oh, yes. No, that's exactly right, Andy. And that's the big point we want to make. Mm. Is for God's vision for Israel, there was no distinction, right? Worship um, was a holistic... So I'm quoting Tim Gombas, who I've been quoting. Worship is a holistic and integrated set of political, commercial, economic, and social practices. So worship, right, uh, and how the poor were treated... We're inextricably linked, right? That's why Jesus says love of God and love of neighbor is the same thing. So for somebody like Jeffress, who is is up there saying, listen, listen, it doesn't matter that that Trump's an idiot because we support his policies. The the church, leave the, leave the revival stuff to us. We didn't vote for an altar boy. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. No, that doesn't, that, that reduces the church to the special interest group uh, who is allowed uh, to compromise on whatever issue, as long as the policies, the <laughs> right. ends justify the means, right? Right. And what we're saying is, no, 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 for Jesus, for Paul and in the Bible, the ends and the means are always tied up together. And whatever political engagement the church should have falls under the banner of worship. Yeah. Right? Yep. End of story. Yeah. So, so I mean, this idea, and, and this is where modern Christians and myself at the top of the list always have become comfortable with the the set of um, bifurcations, there's that word again, that uh, between public and private, between individual and corporate, between political and spiritual, um, uh, you know, none of those, none of those operated in in God's vision for Israel, right? I mean, it was the whole the whole thing was the whole freaking right. thing. Right. It, it's like if you were to try to bring in, you know, a separated view on it, it would it would contradict what's actually being told to you. It'd right. immediately be like, well, why why would you go there and do this? Like, no, when this is all right, all it is, it'd right. be it'd be outrageous. Now the objection will be, well, yeah, but that was Israel. We're the church. And we don't have a literal kingdom, right? I mean, Israel was an ethnic like polis. Right. The the problem with that is um Paul doesn't make that distinction. I mean, Paul simply says, yeah, yeah, we're all, in virtue of being in Christ now, we're all children of Abraham and heirs to the promises given to Abraham. Um, so we've all been grafted in the Jewish tree. But beyond that, there is the deliberate, repeated, um, and and a very intentional usage of of political words to describe the church, right? So, so Paul will say, for instance, to a colony 
in the city of Philippi. Now, Philippi, and we could go into a lot of detail, but Philippi um, was a colony of ex-soldiers. So one of the things you would do is if you served in the Roman legions for, I think it was like 25 years or something, um, you, would be, you would be granted citizenship. And the Roman citizenship you would have would be of such worth to you. I mean, you would trudge around the world for you know a quarter of a century to get the citizenship. So Philippi was a colony made up of a lot of ex-Roman soldiers who prized their Roman citizenship above all else. So Paul writes this just quick little zinger. He's like, well, our citizenship is in heaven. And what he's saying there isn't, hey, guys, um, you know, earthly politics is one thing. Heavenly politics is another thing. So, you know, be nice to each other or whatever else. What he's saying is, no, 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 your fundamental primary political identity is as someone from the kingdom of the heavens. Therefore, they we operate now by a completely different set of rules. Right, the old right. political rules don't apply. So, so, so Paul is. I mean, and and then and Peter uses the idea of a, being a holy nation and a and a royal priesthood and I mean all of this stuff that's just straight from the Old Testament playbook. So you can't just dismiss. Well, we're not Israel, and um, and so we don't have to worry about Israel's call to the nations. No, God is doing it now through a, through an entirely different group of people, but it's the same mandate. It's the same, it's the same calling. It's the same vocation. And so that is why, of course, when you read the book of James uh, or where you read the teachings of Jesus, you get all sorts of economic lessons packed in the middle of worship the one true God, mm -hmm. right? Because for them, loving God and loving neighbor is the same thing. Make sense? Yeah. I mean, because as you're saying all this stuff, the, well, yeah, <laughs> I am well, saying you know, in the book of Philippians, it's like, we're also talking, you know, some of the most quoted stuff that's in the Bible right. that's stamped all over signs and whatever you have. <laughs> so, but you imagine even those things going out to those holding military identity, like right. how, imagine how right. those things sound to someone holding that versus just, that's right. you know, mom driving around in, you know, an SUV with their four kids and she threw it on her license plate. Right. Yep. I mean, it's just, it's, exactly. it has completely different ramifications depending on your identity. That said, it's interesting with this guy, what was his name? Jeff Richard, uh, Robert, Robert, Jeffries. Robert, um, he, it's, it's interesting how he's trying to talk about these things as just as objective actions from a Christian identity. Right. When in fact, he's actually talking about two different identities, not because they're intended to be separated, but because in our country they are. That's right. And so it's like, and that's where you have your, the, the massive conflict is because to him, it's like, whether he realizes it or not, it's like for those who hold political identity as more important, mm -hmm. then if, then sure, you are going to have conflict with church identity, and therefore you can make those kinds of distinctions. Right. The problem is Christian identity doesn't doesn't apply by those rules. Right. The greater identity being in Jesus yeah. overshadows any other identity that you would take on, much like in the case you're making for a Roman soldier okay. who held that Roman identity. And then Paul comes in and says, but this is your new identity in the kingdom, therefore live this way. Right. Now, speaking of that, Andy, you unknowingly, because you are Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> um, you have segued perfectly wow. into an objection wow. to this train of, of thinking. Mm. So, so yes, I would agree 100% with you, but our friend Josh... Ah, I have only a little bit of slight pushback. <clears throat> so a little bit of slight pushback. A smudge. On your idea that Christians should always put our allegiance to Christ before our opposing partisan outlooks. 
the Jesus I hear from classical evangelicalism, and he puts a little trademark signal, <laughs> excuse me, sounds absolutely nothing like the God I worship as a Christ follower. Usually that Jesus is indistinguishable, indistinguishable from DJT. And if you don't know who that is, that's our president. Oh, sure. <clears throat> Sorry, man. It's Seth. That uh, usually that Jesus is indistinguishable from um, Donald Trump or other past representations of right wing politics. I don't think I could be united in Christ with those people if we're not even worshiping the same God nor talked about him as the same. So what do you think of that, Andy? Well, okay, but that's a, it's a, it sounds to me more like a preferral decision to choose to unite in your likeness and faithness to them. Mm -hmm. I don't think that this is what we're talking about, though, from this, from this comment here. <coughs> Explain that. So, As I'm dying slowly. Right. The, the call for us, and I think this is what you know, we have been doing for two years with the show, has been, you know, has been to say, um, oh, don't, my, my thought is, is, cra is crackling <laughs> up here as, as you're coughing. Um, okay, it's that, okay, here it is. Because of what we follow and what we believe and what we're trying to hold to with how we're trying to unpack, here's how what it really, you know, we think it really looks like to follow Jesus. Whatever we're being told over here by the greater evangelical status quo, we're saying that it's off. There's something wrong with it. Right. So part of that responsibility, you have a choice. What do you do? You either what walk away from it, be passive, just do your own thing and, and hope that becomes a greater thing. Or some of the activism justice angle of this is to call out our own, is to call truth to what actually is what is problematic about it. Now, can I say that Donald Trump and I believe in the same Jesus? I don't know. I mean, my own personal says probably not, but, you know, but okay, he's been going to a Presbyterian church his whole life, you know, okay. But it's the outworking, the fruit of his life. If we're going to go back to Paul and talk about what proper judgment looks like, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm going to, you know, judge him, I'm now, you know, his eternal life, no idea. But would I be able to question what his followership looks like based on the fruit of his life as it's been displayed to us or what we know about him? <laughs> Sure. Then I can. Then I feel perfectly fine to make an opinion about that. Do I link arms with him in efforts for his political efforts? No. I completely disagree with him and his policies and his execution of policies, and which actually looks consistent to a lot of the other fruit from his own business actions and stories there to his own personal actions in his own life. I mean, that's the terrifying part to me is there's so much consistency. It's like that's the thing. It's like, well, you know, hey, Donald, thanks for being so consistent. You know, I right. mean, that's been the unfortunate part. Everyone was hoping, like, well, maybe now that he's president. That won't be a thing, but it's like, I don't know. He's been doing it his whole life. So it, you see, it's like I can do I pray for my leaders in the in hopes that God intervenes the government and actually causes the kind of justice I would hope to take place. That's a reflection of Jesus. Right. Absolutely. I'm not praying alongside Donald in his you know advances. I'm actually praying against them and hoping God would step into those things and intervene. Right. You know that someone in that board is hearing him right and actually tries to do something about right. it. Right. So, you know, do I, you know, like. Um, Josh is saying like I don't know that I can unite you know with you know 45 in that I'm like sure I get that but I think it's rather subjective to try to figure <laughs> out does he believe in the same Jesus that I do right but I think that's going to come from your your view on how you're going to kind of analyze the fruit of one's life and kind of consider what needs to be called out and I think that's that's where we've been for two years is spending the time to call this stuff out right you know many of us have have been like no this is not like you cannot 
you know, just grab Jesus and throw him in the ring with all this stuff and then say it's his will or say that right, he's like, right, you know, God's right. president or anything. Cause it's right. like many of us like testify otherwise up and down. So yeah, those are my thoughts. No, those, that's really good. There's because I think one of the things you're, you're getting at that I really like is um, it's the idea that you don't, if the Bible's true and if we're understanding Paul correctly, you don't choose to be united with Jesus followers. You are. Right. And all you're doing is recognizing that. Um, the, the, when Paul makes the case, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I mean, come on, man. I mean, and, and, and even he's, he's talking to people who are radically at odds with each other. Socioeconomically, politically, ethnically, and their sexual practices. I mean, and, and the case he's making for unity rests nothing on their agreement over those things, but rather right. their identity in Jesus. So you have to, so, so to say, um, I don't think I could be united um, in Christ with people if we're not even worshiping the same God, I would just, I, I, I understand completely why you're saying what you're saying, I think. And I, and, and I can understand the rationale for it, except to say this. The judgment um, that presumes that worshiping a different God than you can be made back to you from them. And so, and so then you've got, well, my Jesus is, is more real than your Jesus. Right. And, and everyone's going to think that their Jesus is the best one. Right. And I'm reminded of a story of the Old Testament where um, I think it was Joshua. Um, let's see here. Yeah, Joshua was near Jericho. He looked up. And he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? And, and the angel said, neither. But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does the Lord have for his servant? In other words, I'm not so sure... Uh, God is really easily co-opted because of the kind of relationship he wants from us, right. which is participating uh, and cooperative. God allows himself to be co-opted by whatever righteous cause we had. And we see that with Paul. Right. In Paul's zeal, right? God, he thought, was blessing his persecution of Christians. He was utterly sure about this until literally he was knocked on his ass, off of his ass, if yeah. you understand the metaphor. <laughs> yes. And so, and so... And, and then it's a whole different ballgame. So the scripture is replete with warnings of, of saying, listen, you just can never be sure that you are. Now, Now that doesn't mean we don't rebuke stuff and engage in the prophetic uh, uh, truth telling that we've been doing against some of right. the stuff in evangelicalism. But I would just be careful Josh, I totally understand what you're saying, but the fact of the matter is that that your identity in Christ just trumps <laughs> literally all other identities, whether or not you think it does, and and that you have, in terms of like eternal perspective, um, far more in common with a Jesus-loving, gun-toting, abortion anti-abortion voting, whatever, Republican, than you do with your uh, just awesome Democratic buddy. I mean, I'm assuming, you know, right. whatever. A yeah, than you do with your atheist, liberal, Democratic, right, whatever, you know. Right, who's baby, totally with you killing. on everything. Yeah, whatever. And so, and so I, I hear you, 
But but I think the scripture doesn't allow us that option. Right. Yeah. Because that's the trouble with that. That's the I think that's the trouble with that is um because it assumes that there aren't any holes in our theology or our political theory that aren't inconsistent, and that's wrong. We just don't know where they are. Um, it also assumes that um, we're able, from our finite perspective, to adjudicate someone's salvation or standing in Christ simply because of their political beliefs. And um, now, certainly, I think you can do that with some. No question. I mean, if the, the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not meanness, coercion, um, violence. It is not name-calling and hatred. It is not division and anger, right? I mean, that we know where all that comes from, and that is not of Christ. No question about it. I hesitate then to, to name the people as not being of Christ, if they claim to be. Um, if there's no fruit, I'm skeptical. No right. question about it. Right. But... The, the the biblical posture is if there is a sincere Jesus following, very just as flawed as you and I are a person out there who thinks that the most important issue in America is the Second Amendment and the most important issue to vote on is uh, abortion and um, that, that people come in illegally and they should be punished for coming in illegally and it doesn't matter if their families are separated, right? You c is it possible that you can love Jesus and believe those things? What you're saying, Josh, is no. At least, or you're worshiping a different Jesus. Right, right. And that's where I'm going, ah, because the accusation could boomerang to you saying, well, you've just made a progressive Jesus in your image, just as they made a conservative Jesus in their image. Right. And, and, and the thing I love about the Joshua story is that clearly God was with Joshua and Israel, and yet when pressed, hey, are you here with us? Neither. Right. Why don't you get right. on your face and right. worship? Well, yeah, just, even yeah, just to even consider the idea of like God is for no one but Himself, and also God is for everyone. Yes. You know, it it puts you in the position where you then have to pause and ask, like, okay, wait, God, what are you for? You know, so that way right. we can realign and reorient, hopefully, in unity toward that kind of thing. Like we've talked about, you know, with the idea of Eucharist and communion. You know, it comes down to if if Jesus is going to come to you, you know, if if so the the type of person you just kind of described, you know, let's say that the same Jesus loving, you know, Second Amendment conservative, you know, gun loving person is saying like I love Jesus absolutely. Josh is saying I love Jesus. I disagree with those things, but I'm I'm really concerned if we're really united in that way, right. even spiritually united in that way. Right. But let's say Jesus walks into the room and both of them are sitting there, and he's going to ask them, "What are you guys going to be willing to give up?" Right, to, to then, follow like, me. Yeah, to then leave this room and go wherever I want to go. Right. You know, and so it's like those are those are the things we have to sit and sort through to really figure right. out then what then what are we following? So so sure. So then if if you know if Josh was like, Well, I'm not I'm not gonna give up, you know, my my opinions and feelings and thoughts about all these people because I think that that's what you really want. Right. Then it's like, yeah, there's, I think there's going to be some trouble there. But Absolutely. on the same side, if that guy's the reverse saying, is true. I'm not going to give up my guns because I believe right. in the protection of my home and this right. kind of thing, and right. I'm just not willing to, right. you're going to have some problems. Right. Jesus, yeah, no one comes out of a confrontation with Jesus feeling unloved yeah. or, or feeling unchallenged. Right. I mean, that's just the biblical unanimous testimony about people who encounter this, uh, this risen Jesus. And so, you know, you also have what Jesus did with his disciples, right? You have the political extremes uh, in his, tw in his right. 12, Simon the Zealot, right. 
uh, and Matthew the tax collector, we've covered this, so I won't cover it again. But those would have been very, I mean, far more extreme in those days than Republicans and Democrats today. And yet there was something so compelling about Christ. So Josh, the question is, are you willing to put aside um, your uh, personal opinions? Now, not I don't mean about the policies, but I mean about the people who support the policies in order to have fellowship with those people. Right. And if you're not, well, I think Jesus is going to have some stuff to say. Sure. Um, and 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 then on the on the flip side, our because I mean, our our culture runs now on divisiveness, right? And and I think Sadly, yes. our politics now it, it enriches itself through. You know, I mean, it's no surprise when here comes uh, the the Russia, you know, disaster um, for for President Trump, and he immediately comes home and tweets about the NFL <laughs> uh, players kneeling to the flag, right? I mean, of course, of course. I mean, it's it's just absolutely genius, right? Let me just get back to what fires everybody up, so we can ignore this other important stuff. Of course, but let me go. Let me go back on on TV and and correct my word oh, usage. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm anyway. sorry. I said the opposite of right. what I meant to say. Right. And I had I had opportunities publicly to correct it multiple times. But now now that I've kind of heard the pushback, you're, I, I mean, I know, I know, it's just crazy. But here's the issue: if 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 you cannot allow a Jesus loving and 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 this is where progressives progressives have to play this, but they they cannot be hypocritical if they want conservatives. To look at somebody who is same-sex attracted and says, I love Jesus, and to respect their I love Jesus, even if they disagree vehemently with their lifestyle choices, then you, as a progressive, have to respect the I love Jesus that's coming from the conservative side, too, in the same way you're demanding and asking that they respect the I love Jesus of people right. that from the progressive side, right? right. And, and ultimately... Man, thankfully, we're not in the business. Now, I have huge, and and so does Andy. I mean, we have very, very distinct political opinions. Of course we do. But this is about the people. Josh, you asked about the people and how we regard the people. There, there's no wiggle room. Yeah. yeah. Donald J. Trump is an image bearer of the one creator God who God loves desperately and is seeking to rescue over and over and over and over. And unless you can say that and pray that and believe that about him, right, you have been discipled by the political process rather than by the scriptures. Ooh. That you, you he is simply when you see him and I and I have to actually do this. I have to repeat to myself, he is an image bearer made in the in the image of the creative God. He's the image, right? I mean, because if I want to advocate for Seth as an image bearer and I want to advocate for it, then, then I have to advocate for my enemies. I mean, end of story. Right, right. Correct? Well, okay. So speaking of, you know, we just, um, uh, we had a guest uh, teacher uh, at the church mm -hmm. and there was, there was this under kind of this narrative below what he was talking about and he never got to. And then we talked about it on a different show. Um, going back to in the Gospel of John where Jesus is washing the disciples feet, you mm -hmm. know, right before, you know, communion actually takes place. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting watching that narrative and how through that entire narrative, he's basically delivering the prophecy of Judas. Hmm. Right. Mentions it four times during the process of washing feet. That's crazy. Right. And then goes and then, you know, the transition point into communion is Peter coming up to Jesus being like, wait, who's going to betray you and that kind of thing. And it's it's going to be who takes the bread from mm -hmm. who he's passing to. Mm -hmm. So Peter then knows no one else knows. And then Judas is the one. Wow. So it's and it's interesting because then obviously later Peter denies Jesus. And so mm -hmm. you can kind of rope in. Oh, wait, it was maybe Peter was kind of included in these betrayal comments a little bit. But don't you think it's fascinating that 
the biggest enemy of God himself is in the room and Jesus is watching his feet. Judas sells out Jesus to have him killed. I mean, it's like what greater enemy of God has ever walked this earth? And yet, as Jesus is talking about it, he's washing his feet. Come on. You know, so it's it's like, you yeah. know, we, we talk about the the bipolar, you know, sides of around who's the table even with Jesus. Right. And it's like we're not only talking about political and social, That's we're good. talking about the deepest spiritual Preach. enemy that could be that could exist Preach, is boy. sitting next to him. And like, you know, it says like after Judas took communion, Satan entered him. Come on. You know, so it's like, I mean, really think about the spiritual depth of that room. Oh my goodness. Right? And so it's you know, that has to, you know, that if that's the politics that's of the, Jesus. That's the politics of Jesus. Like for Josh, it's like, okay, well, let's stop for a second. Would you be able to forgive Judas? Right. Because that it's a prior prior knowing what he's going to do. Right. Totally. <laughs> you would you yeah? Could you sit in a room with Donald Trump if you're a progressive and wash his feet and bless him in the name of Jesus? Right. You know, could you sit with a Barack Obama if you're a conservative and mm-hmm. wash his feet and right. bless him in the name of Jesus? If you cannot do that. Then you've been discipled by our politics and yeah. not by the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I only say that because I've been discipled by our politics too. So, my brothers and sisters, first of all, holy Andy, great job, so great, always. We we haven't been in the same room doing a podcast since what a year? Uh, yeah, since I was in Ohio. Oh, that's right. We did one in Ohio. Yeah, that's right. Now now I'm in Cali. Right. Oh, and it's awesome. All right. Um, and then secondly, Seth Erie. Well, Seth, where are you, buddy? Come here. Okay, Seth. Seth has has. I mean, you got it's that's remarkable. Forty minutes with only minimal interruption. So, Seth, I just want to say thank you. You did a great job of listening. He's here with his arms crossed, looking very serious. Seth, what do you want to say to the thousands of people who may someday hear this? Five. Five. Yes. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Five. <laughs> the greatest closing statement of anybody is a number. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What's the meaning of life? It's 42. What's the purpose of the Vox podcast? It's five. five. All right. Anything else you want to say? No, say is... Um, Thank you. Uh, comment, Thank um, you for coming. Um, please, uh, guys, tomorrow. Uh, bye. <laughs> Thank you, Seth. You're a rock star, dude. And so are you, Andy Bear. Andy, tell everyone where they can find you, as always. Oh, yes. Um, you can see all my political and social rants on Twitter at Andy underscore Lara. Uh, my website, if you want to book me for anything, like hanging out and yeah. doing coffee and talking yes. trash, that's uh, andylikeswords.com. Which is true. That's good enough. That is perfect, Andy Bear. All right, my brothers and sisters. Well, as always, Josh, love. I mean, just love the feedback. Love the questions. Um, this is the best part of being a part of this community is, is getting to chew on stuff like this. So I really was challenged by your question. I thought it was worth uh, taking a whole episode or at least half of an episode to, to answer. Um, brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in these crazy days, may he give you peace. Until next time, my friends, thank you so much.